the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Throughout your life, whenever you've talked with people about why they have left the congregations they've been attending for another one, every now and then you'll find people who will leave because there's something profoundly unfaithful going on, the Word of God isn't being preached in its purity, or the sacraments aren't being administered rightly. But probably significantly more often than not, the reasons they give you are really seeming just nonsense things. They just get upset about little menial things. Their feelings get hurt over little things. Tiny, small, insignificant things that actually have nothing to do with the kingdom of God or the reason they move on. There's something very odd about this, because every time you go to church, every time you participate in the rites and rituals of the congregation at worship, what you're essentially declaring is, I am a poor, miserable sinner who deserves nothing from God, and yet in his mercy God has given me everything. What you're confessing is it's like if you admit that you're drowning in the ocean and that you need the ark of the church to come to your rescue, and yet when people leave over small, meaningless things, it's like they're telling you, I was drowning in the middle of the ocean, but then they toss me this, this purple life preserver, and I don't do purple. It's rather strange. Why are you showing up into the house of sinners if you don't actually believe that you're a sinner? Throughout my years as a pastor, as an LCMS pastor, as you know, we have the practice of closed communion, where we require, before people are able to commune with us, that they go through instruction and belong to a congregation in our fellowship. And throughout the years, whenever I told visitors who are outside of our fellowship that they'd need to go through instruction first, for the most part, everyone's been kind and respectful about that. But a number of people throughout the years haven't been. They've gotten quite angry. And the odd thing about their anger is that the way they get angry is that they start listing all of the things that they've done that show why they deserve the Lord's Supper. I've been a Christian my entire life. I'm involved in my congregation. I show up every week, and are you seriously saying that I shouldn't be able to take the Lord's Supper with you? Again, it's quite odd because what is the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is Christ saying, hey, you are a poor, miserable sinner who is so unrighteous that the only way you can actually have righteousness is by eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Well, if you don't believe that about yourself, if you believe you've earned it, why are you going through the ritual of pretending otherwise? People will get angry at their pastors for preaching against a certain sin, and young pastors who haven't learned this lesson, so for our seminarians, this is a fun lesson you'll learn, is you'll have people get mad at you for something that you preached against. And so you'll sit down with them, and you'll show them from the scriptures why what you're saying is sinful, or why what the thing that you've said is sinful is sinful. And the response you'll basically get is, no, I know that's what the Bible says. I just don't want you to say it. I expect you, when I tell you that I would prefer that you not preach against something, I would, I would expect that you would be polite and honor my wishes. Well, again, this is weird. Why are you coming to church every week, beginning the service confessing that you are a poor, miserable sinner, and yet not actually wanting to let go of those sins? Why are you going through the ritual of repentance without actually repenting? 
Why do we fold our hands each week and pray the Lord's Prayer as a congregation, in particular the words, as we forgive those who trespass against us, while having no actual intention of doing that? Why do we show up for a service where we're constantly saying that we're unworthy of God's love, while simultaneously insisting in our hearts that anyone who doesn't treat us as though we've earned God's love is unworthy of our affection and presence? Why do we gather in this hospital for sinners when we don't believe that we are actually spiritually sick, and when we believe that those who are spiritually sick are below us and not worthy of our presence? If we don't actually believe we're sinners, why are we here? Well, to answer that question, it helps to look at our gospel text for today. So on the surface, it doesn't make very much sense why the Pharisees and Sadducees would start coming out to the wilderness for John's baptism, in particular when it comes to the Pharisees, because after all, they are not known for their contrition and their sincerity, but their pride and vanity. These are the same people who pray, I thank you, Lord, that I am not like other men. People who are so convinced of their own righteousness, in fact, that they can't even recognize when the Son of God is standing in front of them. They think they're more righteous than Christ himself. And what is John doing when he's inviting people to be baptized? He's essentially saying, hey, which of you filthy sinners who's been living a life contrary to God's law wants to be washed clean? Well, why would the Pharisees want to participate in that call? Why would they want to join the ranks of tax collectors and prostitutes when they're all so very much below them in their minds? Well, as Jesus repeatedly shows us throughout the Gospels, while the Pharisees want to be seen as righteous more than anything, they just want to be seen. And since there's a big religious phenomenon going on in the desert, the pride of the Pharisees convinces them that they need to be there. If there's a line for God stuff happening, they need to be in that line because they're closest to God. If there's a ceremony happening, they need to be center stage because they need to keep up the illusion that they're the ones who are the most devoted to God. So it is with us. In our minds, righteous people go to church. Righteous people do the God stuff. And we're righteous people. So we'll go through the pageantry. We'll recite the words where we call ourselves poor, miserable sinners. And we'll say that we don't deserve these gifts of God because that's what you're supposed to say. And whoever says that the best looks the best. But deep down... Our pride believes that these things aren't really gifts, but wages, payments that God owes us. That's why we end up saying, give me the salvation feast that no one has earned, because I've earned it. That's why we say, how dare you tell me to let go of the sins I made sure everyone heard me say I was letting go of five seconds ago. That's why we pray out loud, Lord, because I'm a forgiven sinner, I will forgive those who have sinned against me, while muttering, but not really, 
in the silence of our hearts. That's why we proclaim at the top of our lungs that the church is a great and glorious ship that has saved us from the drowning of condemnation, while at the same time finding eight million ways to complain about the life preserver that the church tossed to us. So we need to hear John's warning. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The church is for the repentant. The ceremonies and rites and rituals of the church are for the repentant. The word and sacraments, the gifts of salvation found within our walls are for the repentant. And if you believe that the other sinners gathering in the wilderness of Judea should envy you and your special status before God, you can be certain that your special status will be chopped down and burned to ashes before your eyes on the day of Christ's return. So repent. Be repentant. Be what you have said you are through the rites and rituals and gifts and sacraments of the church. Despair of your sins. Be repulsed by the filth that you have caked upon your flesh and your soul. Then, come find peace in the waters of your baptism that still wash you clean. Repent and rejoice, because Jesus has come to be the Savior of the filthy, the wicked, the wretched, and the vile. Once you were all a brood of vipers, a slithering mass of self-righteousness and hypocrisy. Once you were a serpent who despised God's word. But in his crucifixion, Jesus fulfilled the prophecy his father spoke to Satan at the fall into sin. As the fangs of Satan pierced Christ's heel, Christ crushed the serpent's head. He killed the serpent outside of you, which killed the serpent within you as well. Through his blood, Jesus destroyed your self-righteousness and your pride, your arrogance and your cruelty, your lies and your deceit. Through his death, Jesus guaranteed that you need not flee the wrath of God anymore because he swallowed the wrath of God for you. Through his resurrection, Jesus gave you something far greater to consume than the fruits of your own righteousness. He gave you the fruits of his righteousness, the right to live forever, the right to stand before the judgment of God unafraid, and the right to be judged innocent to be called his child, to be received 
into the kingdom opened to you through the nail-pierced hands of your brother, Jesus Christ. Then, in the waters of your baptism, Jesus clothed you in these gifts that he won for you with his death and resurrection. In the waters of your baptism, Jesus led you out of the wilderness of sin. He led you into the waters of the river of life. And he washed you clean. He made you holy, made you pure, made you perfect. Through baptism, Jesus raised you up from being a stone and transformed you into a child of Abraham, but even greater, into a child of God. So come receive the gifts that God gives to his repentant children. Come speak the words of confession, and then hear your Lord clothe you in the never-ending stream of his forgiveness. Come receive the pardon of the God who didn't owe you anything, but who gave you everything, every ounce of his love and salvation, his kingdom and power and glory. Come receive the life preserver from the ark of the church that has lifted you up out of drowning and death and condemnation. Come eat the flesh and drink the blood of Jesus Christ that you never could have earned, but that God gives to you freely because he wants you in his presence forever. Come receive the never-ending treasures of God's kingdom, the treasures that Jesus Christ has made your own forever. O you unworthy sinners, come receive the righteousness of Christ that has made you worthy saints. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.